0: Hi there welcome to Fantasy Focus Baseball for Tuesday, January 5th, 2021. That sounds weird. Happy New Year, baseball fans. That's Tristan H. Cockcroft. He's here to impart his considerable knowledge of baseball. Kyle Sapi researchers and produces our fine show. And I am merely Eric Carabell. Just happy to be here. Tristan, how are you? Happy New Year. I haven't talked to you in a little bit. What's going on?
1: Happy, happy New Year, indeed. It's not too late in the year that it's inappropriate to give that welcome. So, you know. Well, day only five. five
2: days. When um, is that point? i knew that was coming (laughs) come on i have this problem with new year's and then when a new baby is born like i don't like the 13 months old thing once you're over 12 months you're a year plus you sound angry, Kyle. Is everything That's okay? Really My brother and sister have newborns and I'm like over a year I'm not messing with this. <laughs> I think this is angry seventeen weeks of football, Kyle. Um, <laughs> I think you
1: should I think you should speak in fractions for the baby's year after that. You know, it's a three and one seventh year old. You gotta calculate I'll it.
2: I'll take anything over saying nineteen months old just irks me. It's irks me. I I think if you're not if you haven't talked
0: to anybody yet in January, you can pretty much go like two weeks of January, two or three weeks without and you can still say Happy New Year, um, but like you know, you can't keep saying it to your wife if you see her every day. How about that?
1: My wife would get mad because she has an early January birthday, so I got to switch to that after pretty quickly into oh, the that's New Year. Fair.
0: <laughs> yeah, don't don't forget about that. That'd be bad. <laughs>
1: yes, yes, it would. She'd remind me every day since we're all here under the same roof.
0: <laughs> Happy birthday to uh, Mrs. Sultan of Stat! All right, we have that's lots bad. to discuss on today's show. Even though no free agents are signing, the San Diego Padres are trying to win. So we're going to talk about those San Diego Padres now. We'll also talk about uh, another trade where Washington gets his first baseman. But then I say, did they? And, of course, your hash browns a little bit later on. Uh, let's start with San Diego, Tristan. It's a beautiful place. Can't wait to go back. Hopefully. Someday. <laughs> and, uh, someday. Someday. So their rotation looks a little bit different than it did uh, last time we spoke. Um, they added Blake Snell, and they added you Darvish. And I think it's pretty clear that for fantasy purposes, Darvish ranks ahead of Snell, but tell me why.
1: He did in the first place, so it, it's kind of a slam dunk that it's Darvish for both of us. Um, the impact for both of these two pitchers coming to San Diego, it's a bit greater for Darvish just because of the park differentials between the two. Wrigley is a bit variable because we know what the winds in Chicago. It's tough to tell exactly what environment he would have been pitching in there on a day-to-day basis. In San Diego, you mentioned it. Great place to play, because the weather is very predictable. Uh, it's also more of a pitching-friendly ballpark overall than Wrigley, even when Wrigley's being taken from its three or five-year averages. Uh, it's not one of the best home run parks in baseball anymore after they moved the fences in, but it's still pretty favorable. And Snell, you know, in Snell's case, he's coming from one of the best pitching environments, at least that you could get in the American League. He's gone from Tropicana Field, which is one of the most extreme pitchers' parks, into Petco. It's not that much of a, a downgrade, but if you look at it like a slight downgrade for Snell, well, in Darvish's case, I think it's noticeable enough as an upgrade that he's got a good chance at getting close to the 2020 numbers.
0: So you moved uh, Darvish from number six to number five among starting pitchers. Did you move Snell at all? It doesn't sound like you want, needed to.
1: No, Snell stayed about where he was for me. He's still a top 20 starting pitcher. He was 17th, no, he's 18th, 18th, right behind uh, Lance Lynn. Um, I, I don't feel like a lot changes. As a matter of fact, I feel like he's solidly top 20, probably doesn't have a chance at top 10 numbers for a lot of the reasons that you outlined in your column about him. Um, that said, I think there's the prospect that people could unfairly criticized Snell to the point it becomes a buying opportunity in fantasy. If he's the kind of guy who's going to drop down to 25th among starting pitchers or potentially even out of that because of the workload questions, I'm I'm much more likely to be all in then.
0: These are to- so so different, these, these guys. I mean, yep. Darvish doesn't walk anybody anymore. ton of strikeouts. He can go deep into games. Blake Snell did not go deep into games in Tampa, obviously, famously, Game 6 of the World Series, but... Why do we assume San Diego is going to let him go deeper into games? Maybe this is a pitcher who just throws his 100 pitches in five innings and can't go deep into games because he's a three-outcome pitcher. Strikeouts, walks, home runs last year became a problem. So I think people might overrate him as a guy who's going to go to 200 innings, and I just don't see that ever happening for him. A lot of fly balls went over the fence as well. In San Diego, You know, I don't think it's as extreme a pitcher's park as people believe it used to be. It's just not not just I, I, there's a lot of factors here so to me Darvish is definitely as you say the one you want Snell I'm probably going to end up fading him he scares me a little bit um to I mean, everything extent? about Darvish's numbers were legit last year but Snell I mean the walks the homers I think that might get worse actually I think a 350 ERA for Snell and Darvish I think sub three
1: okay so to what extent numbers wise would you fade Snell this is I want to dive into this
0: well, I mean, as always, it depends on the other pitchers going at the time. So I don't want to I don't want to say anything crazy like that. He's in my top twenty starting pitchers as well.
1: But are you going to take him? That's the thing. We talk a lot about no, how no. we rank.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. Like I, I right now, I've got his teammate Denelson Lameda ahead of him. I got Woodruff ahead of him. Lance Lynn ahead of him. I'm going to stick to all that. Sonny Gray. I want to see where he ends up. Corbin Burns. You know, I might take Corbin Burns over Blake Snell. I think the Kenta Maeda spot. I have him at twenty one. That's going to be where, like, do I really want to take my eight over, Snell? I, I, You know, the Padres are going to be really good. They're going to be, I think, as good as the Dodgers. I think their lineup stacks up. I think their rotation stacks up. I think their bullpen's better. I I think people are afraid. Media members are afraid to say that the Padres, on paper, have a better team than the Dodgers. I I think they do.
1: I could see that. I Snell, okay, I, I bring up the ranking question just because there are players like this who I'll rank, and I prefer not to take them. In Snell's case, I'd prefer to take him later than my personal rank, yeah. but I'm not going to let him slip very far beyond that. So I, I think you are fading into the point. You probably aren't going to get him. I actually am. I'm hopeful he drops to 22 or 23, and then in that case, sign me up. I think I disagree with you that I think there are. I, I think that there's going to be too much of a fading opinion. Going into next season, I dug deep into the stats of it. i could geek it up here. Let me ask
0: you this question though: <laughs> you, you just said this, and and you spoke for me as well, and you're and you're right in both t- cases. But why are we ranking him 18th among starting pitchers if we want him to be number 22? Why don't we just rank him 22? Like, what's your answer to that?
1: Well, to be perfectly honest with you, one of the reasons I that I have that answer is they're not locked into cement which is usually where they get around the point that spring training camp's open. This is the the period of time in the, in the off-season where I'm finalizing, crystallizing, and locking in the rankings. There's a very real chance I'm going to look at this at Snell is 21 and Maeda is 19 uh, when we get to the, the opening of spring training. What I see is 21 Maeda on my rankings. Beneath that, that's the soft spot for Snell. So there's some fluidity going on on that. But the reason I want him at 21, even if that's where he ultimately ends up, is... I kind of think he gets a bad rap. I, I think that that
0: is it deserved. Gonna, it's, it's, no,
1: it's deserved not. To no, it's, it's not deserved. It is a team driven situation, and the narrative is driving it. People remember him being yanked from the World Series, and I think that is casting a negative opinion on him. One That's thing st- overrate him. I don't think that overrates him. I think I that, think
0: that I think that I think the fantasy baseball public is going to overrate Blake now based on the fact that they assume he's going to add an extra inning. To every start. And I just don't see that happening. And one of my New Year's revolution, revolution resolutions should be to rank somebody where I would actually take them. Yeah. So why am I ranking Snell 18th if I would take him 27th? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, why do I keep doing that? It's like, I don't want to give me bad. the number. Me I don't number. care anymore about looking bad to anybody that we work with or on Twitter, especially or, you know, colleagues. Like, if I'm not going to take Snell over Maeda, then why am I ranking him that way? I'm going to move it as soon as the show ends. So that's my point.
1: Give Then give me the number. Where do you have him right Probably
0: now? Probably 22. I mean, I want to look at it, mine, mine. Yours are more updated than mine. I want to look at this a little closer. <laughs> but, like, Granky versus Snell, I know everybody's going to take Snell there. And people are going to fade Granky because he's old. But he still gets strikeouts. He's still a much better whip than Blake Snell. Except for the one year. I mean, one year Blake Snell had was a magical year. The last two seasons, his FIP has not matched his ERA, and I think that's because of all the walks and the home runs. So I'm a little bit scared. I, I don't want to spend too much time on this because the Padres did some other stuff as well. But right. Darvish it's, is that's fair.
1: It's fair. I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll geek it up with the geeky style of the day. Uh, the negative Blake Snell argument, he's one of the least efficient pitchers. It's not about yeah. the manager. It's the, the efficiency and Whoop, that's the wrong, that's my text. That's edit my
0: point. He's inefficient. It's not the manager's fault. San Diego's manager is going to see the same thing. He's going to have 100 pitches, one out into the fifth.
1: It's not the number of pitches per start. That's, not, that's what he's going to get underrated by. If we're talking about pitches per start, that's what he's going to get underrated by. This is the number. 4.23 pitches per batter face from 2018, that great year, through the end of last year. Among starters, so getting rid of openers and starters with fewer than 25, that was the third least efficient by any starting pitcher. Only Oda Rizzi and Smiley were worse than that. So you're right. He's not an efficient pitcher, and that is the problem with Blake Snell. And by the way, San Diego, by the one, way, of most, one of the most walk-prone ballparks in baseball. You weigh that at all?
0: How, how, could you explain to people listening to our show, how does that, what does that mean? How does that even happen? Why? Why do certain ballparks create more free passes than others.
1: Okay, now from walks and strikeouts, it is difficult for me to give you a concrete answer on this. However, the theory is that batter's eyes... Uh, the foul territory, the batter's knowledge of the amount of space he has to work with, whether he's going to be interested in fouling off pitches. We know Brett Gardner being one who does that pretty typically. If they know the park, Brett Gardner's probably not going to attempt to foul off pitches in a place like Oakland that has monstrous foul territory. He might in a ballpark that has very small foul territory. So that's probably one that influences it. But for some reason, San Diego has routinely been one of the best ballparks for walks. And you can run park factors the same way we do on the ESPN pages, just by comparing the home road numbers.
0: Can I ask if you and our colleague Todd Zola and other people in the industry, are they really including 2020 in three-year park factors and three-year averages?
1: We're... So I don't want to speak for other people officially because I don't know where they what, what the end point was. We should probably have Todd on the show to discuss that because he's done a lot of great research on it. I know his perspective was that he doesn't want to wait 2020 at all, and I agree with him on that. Whether he's going to run one over a three or five year span, I will tell you that I am going to run one. I don't know that I'm going to cite it for facts on this show because I don't put the weight in a 60 game sample. Remember, we had teams playing in the opponent's ballpark as the home team. That influences some of the numbers you see on some of the publicly read websites, um, I, I I just don't know that you're going to get a fair, even distributed sample across Major League Baseball. Plus the other thing, the fact that teams played only within their division and the other league's division.
0: All right. So the Padres rotation as of now looks like Darvish, Snell, Danelson Lamette, Chris Paddock, who really was kind of bad in 2020. And the fifth starter still open. It could be Adrian Morjon. It could be Morhone. It could be um, the kid, Mackenzie Gore, who never did debut. It looks like a good bullpen, even without Kirby Yates and Trevor Rosenthal. So work needs to be done. Mike Clevenger, by the way, Tommy's on surgery in November, so he is out for 2021.
1: Second Talk about, by the way.
0: The, yeah, which scares me. I, you know, we can table this conversation if we still have a show in a year, but I'm scared to draft Clevenger next year in 2022 because I know people have had multiple Tommy Don surgeries and been fine, but, like, the way he throws – and I'm never going to expect a 200-inning guy out of him. I just – man, if I had him, and I do, <laughs> you know, I have him in a dynasty format. It's not fantasy, but it's him. But that's arguably more important. I'm scared to to have Clevenger. I've I thought about me. trying to deal him.
1: The big worry between first and second is that the sample size has now gotten large enough with enough positives for the first Tommy John surgery. The sample I don't think is big enough for the second one yet. So I'm not going to condemn him based on the fact that the sample says bad news. It's it's too precariously small, but it is a concern.
0: All right, so the Padres have given lots of money to Korean import Ha Kim. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. I'm not trying to say it wrong. But he is a, a shortstop in Korea who had 30 home runs, 23 stolen bases. He's been doing it for a long time. He's 25, and uh, the rumor is the Padres will move him to second base because they've got arguably one of the best shortstops in baseball and Fernando Tatis Jr. So my, my first question to you is, who would you rather draft this season, ha- Hasan Kim or Jake Cronenworth?
1: That's a really good question. I probably would take Cronenworth. Uh, why
0: is that? Because we assume that Kim skills. is going to play every day at second base, and we don't know if Cronenworth will play every day in, say, left field.
1: Yeah, it's it's simply bat-to-ball skills. Yeah, And you're you you uh, you're one of the people who's most pointed uh, – everyone in the fantasy community to uh Cronenworth being a very underrated prospect this is one of the unusual players nowadays who's excellent at making contact he knows the strike zone among the best out there in the game and I think that greatly elevates his floor uh with a player coming over from overseas I'm a little bit worried about the translation there is always the possibility that that floor drops just off a cliff um, and we don't know the role, as you said. I think he's going to lean into a, a utility role. Is he going to be used as much as Cronenworth next year? We don't know that for sure.
0: Look, Cronenworth won the AAA batting title in 2019, I think. And it reminds me of Whit Merrifield. A guy just languishes in the minors. Teams don't take a look at him. He's 26 at the time. And the Rays are like, uh, you know, we'll just give him away. I, I just – I don't understand how teams do that. They miss, they misvalue their, – evaluate their own players – I'm not saying Cronenworth. Cronenworth had one great month in 2020 and one bad month. He's probably somewhere in between that. He's not a 330 hitter, not a big power guy, not a big steals guy. But he's someone I'd like to draft late. My concern with Kim, and I hate to generalize, and I know people aren't going to like me saying this, is, but, man, when players come from Japan and Korea, they, they just generally, not everybody, Ichiro's special, Hall of Famer, most of the time they don't put up numbers that we expect them to do or even keep their jobs for very long. Is this guy different? what are you What is your sense of of this player?
1: Actually, what interests me interests me most about Kim is that he's a, a South Korea uh, league prospect rather than coming from Japan. So you're right that that some of the Japan histories have raised concerns. We don't know yet what the translations are from the Korean League to the to major league baseball. If you look at the translations roughly that zip I'll use the zips ones just here. He looks roughly like a 260, 265 hitter, 330 on base, 450-ish slugging, somewhere in the range of 20 to 25 home runs. Uh, the steals range somewhere in the 15s. That's a very good player. It's also not an exceptional player. It's one of those ones who, if he's an everyday player and he meets the power and speed combo without just completely tanking and batting average, he could be a top 50 overall option in fantasy. At the same time, they're not great numbers in any category. If he falls to 13 homers five six steals and let's say he doesn't play every day then he's effectively undraftable so I, I i'm concerned about the fact that there's just a wide range because it's so unknown um the translation from you know from overseas to here and especially in san diego it's not like it's a the, one of the best hitting environments to play in
0: no i'm gonna have to fade him i'm sorry until i see something and then it might be too late but i just i'm tired of of assuming that guys like this that come from Japan, and we assume that the Japan leagues are tougher than the Korean leagues for the pitching, but I just, I'm not going to do it. Let's talk hey, about the players.
1: related to double-A. I mean, a lot of people say it's like double-A, right. but it might be slightly less competitive.
0: But maybe he's different. Um, let's talk about some of the players that went back away from San Diego. Zach Davies, not a big fastball guy at all, not a strikeout guy, leaves the the friendly confines of San Diego for the, Friendly confines in real life, but not for fantasy of Wrigley Field and a much different Cubs team than they had, you know, a couple months ago. Uh, I don't, can we even rank Zach Davies as in a 10 team league as worthy of being drafted?
1: We probably will because, or at least I will, because I want to have my rankings have relevance to people outside the standard. But it's like the last pick in our standard game. Top
0: seventy-five starting pitchers. Is Zach Davies Correct. in top seventy-five?
1: He, he will be. He is, and he will remain. I would say, very likely in my top seventy-five. That doesn't mean I would draft him in any ESPN standard. And the reason is that that's what the projection tells you. But I don't want to use him every start. So if you're taking him as your last guy because you like the first three or four starts he gets assigned, the 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 opponents in the beginning of the year fine, that's great, but I will be readily cutting and streaming him wherever I want. The The less a pitcher overpowers guys works as a change of pace type, which is what Davies is, the more likely I want to pick and choose, do the homework for every matchup.
0: Uh, fair enough. By the way, the Cubs did throw Victor Caratini, Darvish's personal catcher, which is kind of weird, into the deal. He'll be the backup behind uh, Austin Nola. Uh, he'll play twice a week. Um, if you're in a two-catcher league, Can you rank Victor Caratini, Tristan, as a top 20 catcher or no?
1: I think you need to have at least 25 catchers starting your league for Caratini to remotely make sense. He did disappoint a bit with the bat last year. And by the way, I don't think that's great news for Nola.
0: Well, did we expect any catcher? I mean, how many catchers are going to play more than four days a week anyway? I mean, there's Real Muto. There's, you know, the White Sox guy. I mean, there's not that many.
1: I, I don't like personal catchers for the starter. In fantasy terms, especially not in our game, I want to know that a player has the prospect of catching each and every one of the starting pitchers on any given day because you could always play first you said days,
0: two days a can week. DH.
1: You said two days a week.
0: Yeah. I mean, also, he could, he could DH a day a week. He's a hitter, he's not really a defensive guy. All right. Speaking of a hitter and not a defensive guy, the Rays get Francisco Mejia, who I am off that bandwagon, but I think you're still on it. So he goes to Tampa Bay where he can platoon with Mike Zanino. Mejia can play other positions he has in the past. He's played out corner outfield, played corner infield. He hit like a monster in the minor leagues, not for power, but for batting average, good skills. But he hasn't hit at all in the major leagues, and he's been up for a couple of years now. Are you still a believer? Like, would you draft Francisco Mejia over Victor Caratini right now?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Why? Because I think- seeing? I th- I think there's an excellent chance Tampa gives him a greater chance to play than Caratini, and given the choice, I will go to playing time in that situation. But I see your points about Mahia. Right, I'm a- if-
0: Good. Even if Mejia gets, say, Mahia gets 400 PA's, that he's not getting more than that, and Caratini gets 300. Can Caratini still have a, be- a better better batting average, but also more home runs? Like I don't see Mejia as a power guy at all. I think Caratini hits 12 home runs and 300 PA's, and Mejia hits. You know,
1: eight. I I absolutely see your point here, but there there isn't a lot of upside. As much as I hate to lean on upside for these for guys in this tier, I, I don't see a lot of upside for Caratini. What I see with Mejia is some of the stuff with Yandi Diaz going to Tampa, is that what if they do see something? Mejia's leaning was pretty fly ballish in San Diego. Not an elite hard contact rate, but not a terrible one for a catcher. And you got to remember, he hasn't had an extended chance to play as a catcher and get used to the chores. They are very difficult at the major league level. has bounced sometimes between the outfield at times. I know he did it a little bit last year. So if they find a role for him, especially what if they take him out from behind the plate and they play him at DH outfield? I think
0: they might end up doing that. And I'm, I listen, I will rank Mejia ahead of Caratini. Caratini's not going to be a top 20 catcher. I think Mejia, we have to rank that way. I'm just saying... I'm likely to fade. I just don't think yeah. he's going to hit. He hasn't hit yet. I haven't seen enough. Totally
1: I, I see your he, point. Totally I, see that point.
0: You know, and Mike Zanino batted like 140 last season.
1: Zanino is the glove. Zanino's going to get his time behind the plate. They need him to handle the pitching staff. The numbers su- uh, support it.
0: The other guy that Tampa Bay got that's very interesting is Luis Patino. And I made the case in my article, not a good case, but in two or three years, I think Patino is more valuable than Blake Snell. And the reasoning here is, I'm buying what Patino did in the minor leagues. I don't care what he did in 2020 in a relief role when he hadn't planned for it and they hadn't really, you know, he hadn't really prepared for. It. it was a weird season. I think this is a potential top 20 starting pitcher, and I think Snell might be moving out of that way in a year or two because of all the walks. So, to me, is Luis Patino a guy you have to covet, a targeting guy now that he goes to Tampa Bay? They're gonna, they're gonna figure him out.
1: Here's a guy I think is going to get vastly overrated by the narrative, and that is that Tampa knows what they're doing with pitchers, so therefore he's going to break through. So
0: exactly what I just said, using it against me.
1: Used against you?
0: Yeah, I'm saying that I like Patino, and you're saying that he's probably going to end up being overrated. I I I think think Snell will be overrated.
1: and I I just I feel the opposite about those two. I I, I mean, I looked at the ADP, the NFB early N F C early ADP for Blake Snell is starting pitcher seventeen. So he's right around where I had That's it fine. ranked and That's right at of where you did. But I don't know how this is going to go when the news cycle gets louder in in fantasy I'm talking about here. When spring training camps open, I suspect that people will be a little bit more aggressive than they should be on Patino and a little bit less aggressive than they should be on snow. And I could be entirely wrong on that. I like your thinking on Patino here. I do think that there's a lot of upside. I also think there's a lot of work to do. His control was a mess last season. That was really the big problem. But he's got the good fastball, can hit the high 90s. The slider's very good. If he could throw in a third pitch with effectiveness at the Major League level, maybe Tampa Bay figures that out. And yeah, you're right. He could could develop into that better-than-Snell type.
0: I also think it's highly likely he starts the season in the minor leagues. Yes. I think a lot of teams are going to push their guys who debuted in 2020 back to the minors, not necessarily because of financial reasons, but because they need more time. Like I'm not sure we even see Joey Bart, the Giants catcher in 2021. They've got pose and they just signed Kirk Casale. Uh, There's other guys that are like this and I'm sure they'll come to mind for me, but I bet Patino starts good. Patino or Gore. Do either of them start 15 games in 2021?
1: I actually think Gore will. I think he's that good. And I think he's that capable of absorbing that kind of workload, even coming off a year like this. I, I don't see it for Patino. I, I think Patino is is probably going to be to this year, what Brendan McKay has been to the Rays the past two, where they'll sprinkle him in as they need starters, just because they're hurting for options just to fill the innings. Um, and that's why I think people are going to be aggressively approaching him. I, I feel like, you and I in labor and tout wars, the leagues that are that deep, the AL only's, I can see somebody trying to bid them up to 4 or $5 just because, hey, why not? I'll take a shot. And you're really not leaving yourself a lot of room for profit based on the projected role.
0: The new cleanup hitter for the Washington Nationals is former Pirates uh, first baseman Josh Bell. They can go with Turner Soto Bell in the middle, of the middle of their lineup now if they choose to do so. And I am just not on board with Josh Bell being somebody I want to draft in 2021, and I'll tell you why. And you're going to laugh at this, and the people that know I'm a Phillies fan are going to think this is absolutely crazy, and I think you know where I'm going. Josh Bell, in May of 2019, hit 12 home runs, 31 RBI, and batted 390 In the other five months of 2019, 25 homers, which is fine, five a month, and he batted 244. If you include 2020, he's at 238. if you exclude May of 2019. Who is the player that I'm about to compare him to?
1: Oh, I know who you are. I I like where you're going. You're talking about Mr. Uh, uh, Dominic Brown.
0: I'm talking about Dominic Brown, and nobody is going to write that. Look, if we had written up the Josh Bell signing, I would have said this, and I may still say it, but I don't want to go anywhere near Josh Bell. I, I think that, yes, he probably needed a new place to play, but he had a lot of ground balls. He had one great month, just like Dominic Brown had one great month. And I think people are going to be I, – I, I Washington gave up nothing to get him, okay? They gave up a prospect who's 19 and a guy who's like a fifth starter. But, man, Josh Bell, people are saying, oh, he's leaving Pittsburgh. He's going to a park where he can hit. No, I don't want him. I, I don't know how far I'm going to drop him in my rankings, but can I really make him outside the top 21st baseman? I think I can. I think I can make that case. You tell me I'm crazy.
1: I'm not going to tell you you're crazy. I've been – more pessimistic entering this offseason about him than you'd expect i'm closer to where you have him i also think you were a little excessively critical of josh bell for being a one-month player he did and i'm frantically trying to to scrape it up i believe it was a 50 game sample at the end of the year where the batting average faded during the year that he uh, appeared in the, the home run derby um and and he did show a pretty decent amount of power over those final 50 games of that year. There was an injury that was sprinkled in there that probably influenced it a little bit. He wasn't a complete throwaway, in other words. However, last year, not good at all. And the only thing I can say in his favor that could get him back in the top 100 and to the level that I was optimistic about him last year. Remember, I was a buyer and, I, and it blew up horribly in my face is, what if fresh start on a competitive team where he knows he has a better opportunity, he's the Nicholas Castellanos of this year. What if?
0: I I, I think that's possible. Okay, I'm not going to dismiss your argument. But we're talking about a guy here with 2,100 plate appearances in his career. And the numbers are pretty. They're awful. That... awful. Well, 116 OPS plus. He had a great month in 2019. People are going to say the second half of that season was blamed on the home run derby. I just don't buy it. I don't like him. I'm going to – here are some first basemen I will take over him. Reese Hoskins, who I'm not even sure is going to be ready for opening day because he had Tommy John surgery, though he is already hitting in a cage. Carlos Santana, I'll take over Josh Bell. Uh, Christian Walker, underrated. Um, Hunter Dozier, who I think is going to add third base and I think is underrated. He was good in 2019. Like, I just see – I see Josh Bell as a guy who hits 250 with 25 home runs, and I think I can get better at first base. I think Jared Walsh might do that. 100 picks later. Jared I Walsh think, might do better than that.
1: Yeah, and I, I think all completely fair. I probably would put him around where where Walker was that you had mentioned. I think you're you're shooting a little bit for more optimistic outlooks for Dozier and Walsh, but I like where you're going. Um, I, Bell's going to have to convince me during spring training. The biggest issue was ground ball 50, 55% of the time last year. He cannot be doing that. That's not the player he is. If he's going to succeed, he can't be anywhere near that.
0: OK, well, look, I know there, there are Nationals fans, including one of our good friends in the industry who listen to this podcast. I'm not sure why, but I am not going to be bidding on Josh Bell in any shape or form. I just think this is an average hitter and a terrible defender.
1: Oh, way. yes. They, they need the DH. He He's the kind of guy where they need the DH.
0: I hope by the time we do our next show, show we find out that there is a DH. I'm going to be disappointed if there's no designated hitter in the National League. I really am. I do not want to see pitchers hit; they can't hit, and it's not because of fantasy or sim, although it would screw up a lot of our leagues. Yeah. I just—it's a better game to me, a much better game when pitchers do not yeah. swing That's, the bat.
1: That was one of the big changes I thought went well last year. I and after a year of not hitting for these pitchers, I don't want to see them I have to get back into it. I worry about the injuries enough as it is right now, and the only thing I could say is if if there's no DH, that is going to help Lake Snell. <laughs>
0: Um well I mean the pitchers have to face DHs, I mean real hitters. Uh, but they all, No, I'm saying if bat. there's
1: no DH, that's to Snell's benefit going AL to NL.
0: Yeah, it it is in theory, but he also would have to bat, which he's never really done. And true, true. I think that does take some toll on play on pitchers going from AL to NL. I mean, he's only First of all, Blake Snell's only batting twice a game anyway. He's not going deep enough to bat three times <gasps> even in that lineup. Uh yeah. Washington by the way, not a whole lot around uh, this big three or two of Turner, Soto, and Bell um, right now. I, mean, they, they, I think they still have Starlin Castro. Uh, Victor Robles is the defensive player in center field. I won't make the same mistake on assuming Victor Robles has a good year. He can't hit. He doesn't hit baseballs hard. I thought he would in 2020, and then he didn't. Um, Carter Kibum. Who knows what he does? So that's a interesting. That could be a last. I don't want to say a last place team because they have shores or Corbin Strasburg, but
1: they won't be last. I don't place. know Aaron Soto. They have one. Of I think the, the Phillies.
0: I think the the Phillies, Marlins, and Nationals are a lot more even as a sub as sub five hundred teams than people realize right now. But you know they can sign players, and they, I, you know
1: I'm I'm not sure. I think Castro might be a free agent, by the way. But but now that I'm thinking about it, I just said about Soho, uh, so Soto, Soto might be the best hitter in baseball right now. Yeah, but might. they have with Soto and Bell, they have two dreadful defenders.
0: They well, Soto's defensive metrics weren't that bad last season.
1: Um, I'm saying from the three-year average standpoint, yes, Soto has certainly improved, but they're they're not quality defenders here. I think though that could be a big concern. Those two guys.
0: So one of the other the other things that I was thinking of right away here, and again, you're going to think I'm crazy, and this is way too much hate, but what if Colin Moran has a better season than Josh Bell? He is presumably Pittsburgh's first baseman now. He hit for more power and a better average than Bell did in 2020. He has some power in his past. I could see Kyle Moran hitting 25 home runs in a season. But I just said I project Bell to hit 250 with 25 home runs. I kind of project Kyle Moran, if he plays just as much, to do the same thing. And nobody's going to draft Kyle Moran in a mixed league. Is that crazy?
1: It, it's not. Crazy's a strong word. It's not crazy. Uh, the concerns I'd have is he's another extreme ground baller, at least last year he was, and he's also a platoon like a very clear platoon type. So but he
0: also had 10 home runs in in two months yeah, and yeah. Josh Bell did not. Or Josh Bell might have but it
1: there were locked in times from the weekly standpoint with Colin Moran. We played a good amount of right-handed pitching. The division I remember had a lot of it and Moran was an excellent right off the wire type of guy. Another case of I I totally see your point here. I I don't think that's what's going to happen but it it's absolutely fair and it's something people I'm
0: just saying mind. if I'm in a if I'm in an nl only league and I am in a notable and all only league. Mm-hmm. And Josh Bell goes for $18, I would be happy to get Colin Moran at 10.
1: And I think that's probably about where the two of them will go.
0: And that's a, and again, the guy who runs NL labor listens to the show. That's what I'd rather do. I'd rather take Moran. You're getting than Josh bit off. You're getting bit off. <laughs> um, all right, Pittsburgh's lineup is not looking good. Uh, they still have Adam Frazier, Cabrian Hayes. Um, Brian Reynolds, I don't know what he does. He was awful in that two month stretch. Yep. Gregory Polanco just broke something. Why would I mean? I understand Pittsburgh still has him under contract, and you have to keep playing him. But man, they they've got to have something in the minor leagues better at this point than Gregory Polanco. But that's a bad team. That's a hundred loss team right there. Pittsburgh Pirates. Sorry.
1: By the way, that's going to be a if Polanco gets healthy, plays pretty decently over a month span, he's going to be one of the quickest trade candidates you've ever heard.
0: Alright, so I mentioned uh, Joey Bart uh, just now, and um, he's going to be in the minor leagues, I think over under, like, 200 plate appearances in 2021. Don't draft him. I've got him in a keeper league. I'm going to dump him.
1: And, You're optimistic there, too.
0: Yeah, 200 PAs, right? I mean, like, they've got Posey and Casali. So. Oh, I mean,
1: that's one of my most embarrassing of either the... It might have been the December, but the November-December shows was pointing out that I thought Bart would be better in his second year, and he will, but the second year's not going to be this year. <laughs>
0: Um, it looks like uh, Joe Adele is going to start the year in the minors because his manager said so. That's kind of yeah. odd. Uh, but you he, know. Need,
1: he looked like he needed the seasoning. I I, I see his point. I, I just hate not letting the guy know going to spring training he has a chance to win a job. I hate seeing that.
0: So, yeah, I mean, something could change. But uh, if you draft Joe Adele this season in fantasy, you might not be getting more than 200 plate appearances. Let's put it that way. Um, any interest in the fact that now in our next show, Corey Kluber will be throwing for teams, maybe every team. Uh, the rumor is he's going to throw, I don't know, 50 pitchers or something like that. I don't know if that's enough for teams to get a read on what he's throwing. Uh, it was a fluke injury the last time we saw him, but would you, all right. So we just talked Zach Davies, borderline, even draftable on a 10 team mixed. Yeah. Corey Kluber more likely to take him or less
1: in our game, more likely. And, actually, actually, I probably would be more likely to take him in all. You need to see time. where he goes. I I need I need to see how this plays out with the throwing. You know what what state what percentage is he in strength wise at the start of spring training? Is he locked into a rotation spot or is it one of those non guaranteed contracts where they could buy a little time to get him up to full speed? But Kluber is the kind of guy that's going to decide has a chance to decide a lot in fantasy. Because if he's the 78th starting pitcher taken and he returns at even a top 40 level, that's going to make a huge impact in fantasy leagues. I'm not saying I think that's likely to happen, but it's possible. The Greg Holland situation is similar to this. And you remember, I was pessimistic about Greg Holland and learned my lesson about It's that guys who you, you kind of cast away because of the injuries and their declining velocity, sometimes they come back, they surprise you, and it clicks.
0: All right, what else do we need to discuss here? Um... I'll, I'll put you one
1: more guy. Uh, Wait, Mike, the Michael Waka thing with Tampa, since we were bringing up the Tampa thing. Uh,
0: didn't we do that on the last show?
1: I, I can't remember when we did the last one.
0: Are you yeah, interested? You're right. Michael. You're right. I
1: think we did. I think we did.
0: Well, are you, are you more likely to draft Michael Waka or Zach Davies or Corey Kluber? Rank them.
1: <laughs> uh, I would probably go Kluber, Davies, Waka.
0: I'm going nowhere near Waka. I understand it's Tampa and they're smart and they figure pitchers out, but Walker could end up being... The, the right-handed version of that lefty who pitched like the second to fifth innings too. I I, I just – whose name escapes me. I don't know. I, I'm not
1: – I'm going to break all the podcast rules by going – I'd go Kluber. I'd go Davies. And then I'd go Michael Waka. But if this is where he is, then I'll buy. And I'm doing the hand thing where it's a huge, Garborough. huge drop. <laughs> what? The hand thing, like, I'm breaking the podcast rule. Nobody can see that I'm doing this. Oh, these two guys are really close, and this one's way down here. And if the price is way down here, then sign me up for Waka, and I'll pass these two.
0: <laughs> so Ryan Yarbrough's that left. I don't. I just don't know how they're going to use Waka. So that's my concern there. Um, and by the way, poor one out for uh, Howie Kendrick. It's not a Hall of Fame career, but he won a World Series for a team that had never won a World Series, and he he had the the biggest hit. So. You know, good for good for Howie Kendrick played with my team. You know, it was an interesting career.
1: It um, certainly was.
0: Giving some credit there, Let's Kyle. Back in now. and uh, and Kyle, before we get started with uh, whatever questions people have, um, can you just tell people how
2: awesome my hair looks right now? It's it's beyond words. I feel like if I tried to describe it, it wouldn't quite do it justice. We need to make this a video platform sooner than later. But the nope, way I just know nope. Yeah, I, I the way I described a pre-show was more like if you envision like a mad scientist teacher when you were in high school that like always pushes the envelope and kind of blows things up on occasion in the classroom. That's what Eric reminds me of right now, or at least his hair.
1: It looks a little like the 90s professor in that Simpsons episode where Homer started his own band.
0: I have not cut my hair since February of 2020.
2: And I'm not planning to do anything. It's going to turn a year older. We're going to have a podcast on the day that it's 365 days. We have to, right? Oh, yes. I don't don't want a video component on this this
1: We're singing the happy birthday song to your hair at the one-year point.
2: Oh, my
0: God! (laughs) Might be two years before I see you again. All right. um, Questions
2: from Twitter. I'm sure that people have hash browns. Let's try to answer them. Yeah, it's cold outside, but people still got baseball questions. Jeff wants to know, what do you expect from Chris Bryant in 2021? (laughs) You know, it's amazing how
0: far this guy's star has fallen. I mean, this was a guy who we were taking in round two a couple years ago. Borderline round one. I mean, he, he was an MVP in 2016. 39 homers. He stole bases. High batting average. Scored a ton of runs. And then it started to fall apart after that. He took more walks than the power dropped. He was fine in 2019. 31 homers. The low RBI total was a factor because he was batting second. No he's not a big
1: stealer. People did not benefit from that. You remember, that was one where he had major questions and people were not getting on board.
0: Yep, yep. So I think that's the issue is that what is Chris Bryant? He's 29 years old. This is the age 29 season. Is he Is a career 280 hitter who we we expect to hit 30 home runs? We need to see where he lands. Isn't that the, the key? Like, or let's assume for now he, he remains on the Cubs. What would you project for him? And, that, and including that projection, games or a PA's.
1: I, I had to say first that he won't. So because he won't, but. I, I, I am not – I'm genuinely not sure what to do with Chris Bryant. This is a turning point year for him because either he puts the injury – the recent injury questions, the nagging kind of stuff behind him and has a huge 280-30, like you say, bounce back season. And then the career is revived and he's still probably a top 40 at worst fantasy pick. But I also see the path to having a hard time getting into the top 250. I think there, there is definitely a downside. He could end up in a really terrible situation. What if he has to wind up taking a deal with a team just because there aren't better options? But the metrics say still a pretty good fly ball guy. He needs to add some solidity to his contact. The hard contact rate was down. Um, I, you know, he's a tough guy to rank. I don't think I can make the top 100 case. Can you?
0: Well, you rank him right now, 106. I, I think I, I rank him worse than that. I can make the case. I don't want to make the case. Um, but. I think it's important that if he leaves this team, he probably would do
2: better.
1: I'm not sure right. I agree with that. Okay. I, I see where you're going, but in this environment, I'm I'm not sure I agree with By that. By the
0: way, everything's gonna start happening at some point. I think the season will be delayed. And I think you're gonna to start to see these players sign in February, and the Cubs could move Bryant and their catcher Wilson Contreras at some point soon and just go total tank like they did, you know, ten years ago or eight years ago. Um, I just I want to see what Brian – I want to get a, a feel for what ha- ends up happening. Do, the, do they want him or does he end up on the you know Dodgers or whatever? I want to see what happens to Brian before I say. But for now, not in my top 100 and to balance it with other third basemen, like would I take Brian or Cabrian Brian Hayes? Don't you have to take Brian? But do you? Like Brian versus Alec Bohm of the Phillies, who I love by the way, or Gio Urshela? Yeah. I think I – I don't know, man. I
1: I, I, I think yeah. Bowman and
0: Hayes are, are, are future guys, and Chris Bryant, we might have already seen his best.
1: I, I think people are going to rush to the snap judgment that it's obviously Hayes over Bryant. And I think that making the snap judgment is the mistake. But if you can talk yourself into it with the metrics, I could. I, I oh. guess you could sign me up.
0: By the way, there's a big difference, I believe, in Alec Bowman and Cabrian Hayes. The only thing they have in common is they were rookie third basemen. One of them batted 376. But with a Babbitt that was what four fifty? I'm trying to find it. It was high. It was it was, was four fifty. Okay. You don't see that. This is a guy that we don't think or that people that, that do prospects prospect discussion for a living do not think is a big power hitter or a three hundred hitter. But I think Bohm is. I, I compared Bohm to Castellanos, not a thirty home run guy, because Castellanos has never done that, but twenty five homers, two eighty for a long time. I think that's Alec Boehm. That's a top 100 player. I'm not sure Cabrian Hayes does that.
1: Oh, I agree with you. I I, I want to convince myself with Cabrian Hayes. and In my keeper league, I have him, so I really do hope he pans out. But, you know, it was a year ago that we were talking about him as an all-glove, moderate bat type. And all of a sudden, he's this, you know, budding superstar uh, on offense no, in a ballpark that, by the way, I would argue that PNC Park is the absolute offense. worst environment for a right-handed hitter. The worst.
0: Is, is Cabrian Hayes losing 100 points of batting average in 2021? I think yes. Yes. He is not hitting 276. And I like I think him. he could. I think he could. But
1: but you're right that 100 points is a good number to throw.
0: And and if we were throwing out Josh Bell 250 with 25, Cabrian Hayes might be 265 with 20. So just be careful how you rate Cabrian Hayes. I don't think he's Alec Boehm, and I don't think he's Chris Bryant. And I have him in a keeper league too. And I, he,
1: he did have an absurd exit velocity, 45% hard contact rate. But again, it was a very small sample. Right. A lot of grounders, right. by the way. A lot of grounders for Cabrian Hayes.
2: Yeah, and that's what he did in the minors. Okay, what's next, Kyle? Next up is Eric. He wants you to make the case for Trey Turner over Alex Bregman in a head-to-head points league. You know, I saw that question
0: on Twitter and I thought, I don't know if I can make the case against it it's
1: easy to make the case for it he did it last year and by a lot
0: yeah but my point is how could you take Bregman over Trey Turner even in a points league I don't think you can like Trey Turner's going in round one in roto round two in points Alex Bregman's not going in the first two rounds of either format is he I am I wrong I, about that for points leagues because it the walks
1: I don't think so uh I, I think he's probably early third using the ten-team standard in the points leagues. It, it benefits him. It's not that he. It's not like he's the Carlos Santana of points leagues, where it's a substantial boost, where it's you know numbers that propel him through the roof. Trey Turner was the number two hitter in terms of fantasy points last year. By the way, he had two hundred twenty-two. Number one was Freddie uh, Freddie Freeman with two fifty-one. He matched Jose Ramirez.
0: Not a walker though, and stolen bases obviously matter more in Roto than points. But I also think Trey Turner could end up batting like in an RBI position for Washington. Mm-hmm. So that's something to consider as well. Anyway, I, I would take Turner in a points league had they had points probably early second and Bregman probably mid third.
1: Turner did with the bat what I told you what he was going to do. And if you want to make the anti-Trey Turner thing, it was 603 points. Number one hitter in points leagues in 2019 for Alex Bregman. It was 377 for Turner. He did miss some time that season. But I think the hitter we saw last year is a lot closer to the real thing.
0: And I hate to admit this because I was so vehemently against this argument, but man, those Houston hitters did not look the same in 2020. Okay? I don't think it was because of what, you know, the elephant in the room, but none of those guys, except like the natural, Michael Brantley, a natural hitter, and Kyle Tucker who wasn't there. But like Altuve can't stay healthy now, didn't hit, and Bregman was not the same, and Gurriel looked awful. Um. You know Springer, I'm sure he'll get paid. Mets, Blue Jays, somebody. Maybe there's a Springer question here, and maybe by the time we have our next show, Springer has signed. But did man, you um did you toss AJ's to
1: did you toss AJ's ranks out here? AJ Massa does her points rankings. Yeah, Trey Turner fourth overall. I can't. Bregman's forty third.
0: Well, isn't that isn't that like really high? Fourth overall.
1: AJ's just. Another case of we should have A.J. explain what his methodology here is, but from my understanding, he does do a replacement level adjustment to calculate what you would get in the, the missing games from players. And
0: look, maybe I should start looking at Trey Turner, who hit 12 home runs in 59 games, as a potential 25 home run hitter. He's never hit 20 in a season, but maybe Trey Turner is better than I think. Now, he batted 335, which I don't see happening again, and he didn't take any, any walks. But if he's hitting 25 homers and stealing 45 bases, that is a top 10 guy in points. You don't think he can oh, walk?
1: Why? You don't like an 8.5 walk? 8.5% 8. walk rate? That's I, terrible?
0: I, I, it's not terrible. But, I think it's kind of decent. No, I think it's fine. I, I don't want to say didn't walk. I, I just It's not the
2: same. It's not moment.
1: known for elite walks. That That's a major difference between the two of them.
2: All right. What else we got? Last question comes from Luke. He wants to know, understanding that every draft is a little bit different, when do you generally begin shifting from best player available to the best player that fits your specific roster in the middle of a draft?
0: Wow. Um, I think it's – we're talking baseball here. It's it's kind of different depending on the league. Um, it also depends if I already have a DH. In in my in a spot, like if I already have Jordan Alvarez or Nelson Cruz, it might affect that a little bit. Um, but I, I don't think about roster stuff in the first half of a draft. I really don't. Like, I want to make sure I have enough good starting pitching. I want to make sure I have enough speed and power and balance. But do you ever think about that until, like, round 13 or even at all?
1: I Probably, on average, I'm thinking about it by round 8. But I'm trying not to think about it at all, and I think that uh, going with need, positional, or categorical in the categorical leagues, um, that, that's usually linked to the previous picks. It's not, it's not about the round number or the, the point in the draft. It's about, as you said, Eric, the designated hitters. If you selected something that prevents you from doing something else later— that's when you have to start addressing this. I don't think it has anything to do with the number. I think it has everything to do with the guys that you took before that pick.
0: I think it has something to do with using a tiered system, which I advocate in all fantasy sports. And I think I have tiered rankings in baseball, football, and basketball. And I, I'm running basketball right now. It's, it's okay. But the point is, if you're using a tiered system and you see that the tops, the, the, the safe save guys are off the board by by round 12... Then categorically and positionally, I'm looking at relief pitchers. If you're using this system and you say, wow, there's nothing left at third base after round 12, or nothing left at first base after round 12, which is imminently possible this season, and it's not at second, short, of third, then yes, I might overdraft Reese Hoskins in round 14 if I don't want to end up with Josh Bell or you know, something like that. So I I'll probably say, but in the first ten rounds, in a general sense, even in an FBC, a fifteen rounder, I tend to not look too much at um, at filling roster spots. I'm filling categories more
2: than that.
1: But a great point about the positional tiers that you need to be very mindful of when a position is going to fall off a cliff talent wise. That's right. that and should that be. That happens at first
0: goal. base. It happens early at first. Mm-hmm. Earlier it than happens- you think
1: at first base
0: earlier than you think and i'm not saying look if you end up with hoskins josh bell christian walker you know you're doing fine there but that's not those aren't difference making guys um somebody by the
1: way i I forget who it was and i'm sorry for that i I referenced who you were out there it's one of the industry guys had mentioned about shortstops, how it's a rich position and there's a ton of them and you don't have to worry about it and then made the counterpoint that they all go off the board super quick and it's a fair point to make that, yeah, there's a ton of shortstops, but they all go super
0: quick because they're building
1: block types.
0: Exactly. So you're middle class at shortstop. If you don't end up.
1: You need to make a decision as to whether you're OK with the middle class at shortstop. you
0: got, you got potentially four of these guys in the first round. Tatis Turner, Story Lindor. Bichette, Bogart, Seeger, everybody wants them early on. Mondesi, somebody's taking in the top 50 of your draft. Somebody's taking Glaber Torres and Tim Anderson there as well. So you, you could have 10 shortstops in the first 50 picks. Yep. If you don't get them, then you have to start thinking is Javier Baez going to ever hit 280 again? Is Carlos Correa ever going to get 500 PAs? Is Semyon for real? Yep. Is VR ever going to run? What's DD's situation? Shortstop is not deep, actually.
1: Right. Like, if I'm telling myself that I'm really anti-Jorge Polanco and Willie Adamas at shortstop, that I need to be on board with a shortstop in those early rounds, i got to pay the premium to do it. If I'm okay with the middle grounds, like you're describing some of those names, Semyon, I'd buy Semyon. I'd take him. I'll take that chance. Then... Or Didi Gregorius, a guy, you know, I like Didi Gregorius a lot. I do
0: too. I look Phillies fan. I love him. I I want him back, but they're not getting him back.
1: And by the way, the problem with Didi Gregorius, why he doesn't get a better ranking for me, because I love the raw power potential, is that he doesn't provide you with anything in terms of steals. And I do think that can be problematic a little bit at shortstop. Just be a little careful with that.
0: So the big free agents, it's not just the Mets. It's the Blue Jays. So maybe by the time our next show, probably in two weeks, we'll find out Trevor Bauer. Supposedly he met with Toronto. Real Muto, Toronto could use a catcher if, unless they think Danny Jansen's great. Um, George Springer, probably not Toronto, but maybe. Who knows? The point is –
2: DJ LeMay,
0: LeMay, it's not just Steve Cohen. It's Toronto or slash Buffalo, wherever they play, because we or don't know for sure that they're going to get to play in Toronto.
1: By the way, what do you think? Of, if they play in Dunedin this year, what do you think of that?
0: I think they play in Buffalo.
1: I don't think I don't Buffalo's think. an option, is
0: it? It was in 2020.
1: Yeah, there was some – I remember reading or hearing something about Buffalo being more complicated. I don't know,
0: man. Florida's kind of a mess still. I, I you know, I don't – Yeah, critical. that's
1: the, – the Toronto locale is going to come up for us as we approach spring training, I think.
0: Right, and maybe by the summer everything's fine. Everybody's been vaccinated and, you know, there's no worries here. But anyway, just keep an eye on the Blue Jays because, like, I can't evaluate Trevor Bauer to the Blue Jays unless I know what their home ballpark is. Isn't that strange? That's fair. That's the problem.
1: And Toronto, by the way, is another ballpark that has some variable numbers year over year. So there have been seasons where it was extremely hitter and especially home run friendly. So I see your point.
0: All right. Well, we'll get to that hopefully on our next show. Thank you so much for listening to Fantasy Focus Baseball for Tuesday, January 5th, 2021. We really enjoy you downloading, listening, uh, interacting with us, whether it's Twitter or our friends and email or whatnot. Uh, It's a new season. Hopefully we get 162 baseball games in, but I have no idea, and neither do you. Anyway, please be happy, healthy, safe. We'll talk to you in two weeks. For the awesome Kyle Sapi and the awesome Tristan H. Cockroft, I am merely Eric Carabao. Have an awesome January.